fluttering and she can't, actually can't talk now. She's got laryngitis and head cold and chest cold and everything, so she's staying away this morning. And um, I need you to help me stay awake today because last night I, I was really struggling to sleep and um, I've got a couple of different types of sleeping tablets and I've, so at about 2 o'clock I took one thinking that it was the really short one that I usually have that, you know, lasts for about three hours, just to get a few hours sleep. Um, and then I realised this morning when I got up and was feeling so, uh, I had a look and I've, I've taken the one that lasts for 12 hours. <laughs> so I'm asleep. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally, my brain is just so fuzzy this morning. It's just weird. So please, you're going to have to breathe and let me know that you're still here so that you keep me awake this morning, all right? We're reversing roles. Not my job to keep you awake, you've got to keep me awake today. Um, Luke didn't know this, Lucian didn't know this when they shared what they had to talk about, what they shared this morning, just about the goodness of God's love. And um, I want to just talk a little bit about that this morning. You know, we, we've been looking over the last little while about at the subject of just the power of unity, that it releases God's blessing upon us and that there are three types of unity. So unity with God, that's where it all starts. It's being in union with the Father through Jesus and, that, and, the, and the blessings and the abundance of blessings that that brings, forgiveness and, and acceptance and, 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 and eternal life. I mean, the incredible blessings. So we have the privilege and, and, and to, to be able to go into his presence at any moment of the day, to know his tangible presence, to come before his throne of grace. And I'm so glad it's a throne of grace and not a throne of performance. And so, so unity starts with God. It starts in our relationship with him. And then there's unity within yourself. And you'll never have perfect unity within yourself where you have that inner peace and sense of well-being unless you actually are in union with Jesus. That's where it starts. But there's union with God, there's un unity within yourself. And then we saw there's unity with others. We're called to live in harmony with one another. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, and you can turn there if you want, we'll read a couple of verses from there. Um, but in Ephesians 4, he starts it by, by talking about the fact that there's one God, one faith, you know, one Jesus, one baptism, one Lord, one church, one body. Okay, And then he says this, he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. He doesn't say make every effort to get it. He says make every effort to keep it, which means you've already got it. If you're a born-again believer, if you're a believer in Jesus, if you've received him, you have unity with him. You're in union with him. But, but the devil is out there wanting to bring disharmony at every other level. So he will undermine our, our belief in the goodness of God. And then he will get us to turn on ourselves, turn on each other, to try and bring discord within the body. And so Paul recognises that and he says, guys, you've got to be on guard. You've got, to, you've got to make every effort to actually maintain that level of unity. So what is the greatest expression of 
that unity. What, what was God's greatest expression? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. So God's expression of love was to give his son. Jesus' expression of love was to come and give his life for you and I. The greatest expression of unity is love. It's love. Whether it's union with the Father, understanding his love for you. Unity within yourself has a lot to do with you recognising and getting revelation of God's love for you and acceptance for you. And then unity with one another in the fact that, you know, when you think about it, God could have saved us and just taken us off this planet. But he's left us here for a purpose, to express the reality of the kingdom so that other people could come into this awesome, life-giving union with Jesus. So let's have a look here. Um, Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, let's read from verse 11. It says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Man, you can imagine what life would be like if we all lived with the complete, utter, total fullness of Jesus. Life would be different. Verse 14, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in Love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and, to get, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So there's a work that you and I have been called to. Part of that work is to stay in unity. Part of that work is to speak love. Part of that work is to, is to recognise, discover what God has called us to do and then start doing it. Because it, it, Paul's talking here about action. Each part does its work. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's workmanship, made in his image. He, he's wonderfully and gloriously made us so that we can partake. We can become partners in the work that he's called us to do, that he has prepared in advance for us to do. Just go back um, to chapter 3, just Ephesians 3. Why are these things so important? Because for Christianity is not about... Um, and, and, and even Paul's talk, talking here about why God gave gifts, why, he, why did he give apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and all of this, why did he do all of that? To equip us 
for service. He didn't do it so that we could have a holy little huddle. Amen? Amen. Folk, Christianity is not, is not about just coming to a Sunday meeting. And as important as that is, because we, we, we need to come together and worship God and, and to be encouraged by one another and to, to be taught. And, but, but it's all for a purpose that is outside of that meeting. And so if Christianity, if your Christian life has shrunk to just being a couple of hours on a Sunday, you need to actually stop and take stock and readdress some of that. Because we're actually meant to live this life of the kingdom 24-7. We're meant to live it outside of these four walls. And so as much as, as, as meetings like this are important, man, it's such a small fraction of what God has called us to do. The purpose, one of the prime purposes of this is to equip us for out there. Amen? I think so much of the church's thinking has shrunk, shrunk down to a meeting. And so we've got to make the meeting as jizzy and as fancy and as, as awe-inspiring as possible to keep attracting people, but then that's all that Christianity becomes. That's a failure. Look here, verse 16 of chapter 3. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, in love, not in religious protocols, not in rules and regulations, not in a formula, not in a, not, 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 you know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I pray that you may be rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled, filled, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That we can know his love, not just a little portion of it, not just a little measure, but be filled to overflowing with the full measure of Jesus. And the context that Paul is talking about is his love. Like if you're filled with the fullness of God's love, you're filled with everything you need. God is love. It isn't just that God loves because he's kind and good. God is love. So he can't help himself but love. He loves because that's who he is. And so if you're filled with God, what's going to automatically start to flow out of you? His love. The problem is we try and conjure it up in our own strength and make it our love, but it's His love. None of us are totally and completely filled with the full measure of God. What does that mean? We need more of Him. We need a greater revelation 
of him. We, we, we need more of the Holy Spirit who's the very agent of God's love in us to, to, to fill us and to flow through us. And that's why Paul goes on and he talks about being filled, being filled, keep on being filled and filled and filled and filled with the Holy Spirit. We need it more and more and more and more, folk. We wouldn't be dependent on getting some Sunday sermon to pep us up. If you can live out of the overflow and the abundance of his goodness, revelation of his love for you, and let that just so fill you that it begins to overflow out of your life, Man, you don't need a pat on the back every week from someone. Man, you know, you know that, man, that tires you out when you're around people that, that you know, man, all that, that, you've just got to keep pepping them up. You've just got to keep applauding. You've just got to keep patting them on the back. You've got to keep making them feel good. You, you'll go, it's just an endless cycle that just doesn't work. And that's why we need to, we need to get revelation of his love. God is love. And because he is love, because the very essence of who he is, his whole nature, his character, everything about him is love. He loves me. And so what is my response? I love him. We love because he first loved us. But if you don't have revelation of how much he loves you, you're going to struggle to love God. So I love him back. And most of our efforts to do that is so inadequate. And yet, through his grace and mercy, he just receives it and accepts it. Anyway. But we love because he loves us. But our expression of his love in this earth is then to love others. But you will never be able to love others until you have first learnt how to love yourself. What? You mean we're allowed to love ourselves? Yes. What did Jesus say? I think it's John, John 13 or John 6. I can't remember. One of the two. He says, a new commandment I give to you. Does anyone know it? To love one another as I have loved you. And he goes on and he says, by this, by this example, by this way of living, by this testimony, the whole world will know that you're my disciples. People are not going to know that you're a disciple because you follow religious rules. They're going to know that you're a disciple of Jesus because you overflow with love. Now, I'm not talking about the, the world is confused what love is. They're very confused about what love is. So I'm not talking about it from, from what their perception of love is. I'm talking about what the Bible says and what God's perception of love is and what, what our understanding should be, the revelation we need. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and love your neighbour, how? As yourself. So you're never going to be able to love other people effectively and show the love of God until you've learned how to love yourself. 
You know, I think that's one of the prime things that we struggle with, just as human beings. Because everything in our society, everything is geared towards pulling you down, not lifting you up. Everything is geared to making you think that you're inadequate and useless and you don't have enough and if I can just get this other thing, then I'll, I'll be better. It's all a lie. The key is all about understanding God's love for you, his acceptance of you. You know, the most important thing you can understand is God's love for you. It is the number one most important thing. His love for us. Fulfillment in life is not, a just, is not just about trying to feel good about yourself because God loves you. True fulfillment in life comes as we allow his love to flow in and then through us towards others. Do you know this, that God trusts you? Have you ever thought about that concept? That God trusts you? I mean, think about it. Ephesians 1, I think it's around verse 3 or 4, verse 4. Verse 3 says that he actually, if you read it, he's entrusted to us every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's a trust. And verse 4 says that he chose us before the foundation of the world. He chose us in Christ. Why did God do that? He trusts you and he entrusts you with certain treasures, with gifts. Even though God is totally self-sufficient, he trusts you, he values you, and he needs you. Now, in one sense, God doesn't need us at all because he is totally self-sufficient. He, he sustains all things. He doesn't need us to sustain him. And yet he has chosen us and he has said, I actually need you for my plans on earth. I've chosen to partner with you in what I want to see achieved on this planet. That, that, that's, that's a trust. That's an entrusting with a gift. Folk, I have to believe in his love for me. I believe that everything he wants for me is for my benefit. I believe that he wants to lavish his blessings upon me, that he wants to protect me and provide for me and care for me and guide me and instruct me and, and use me powerfully to, to be a blessing to others. I believe he wants to keep me safe. I have to believe because that's the nature of God. And to believe anything else is cutting right across who God is. It's undermining his love for me. I don't, have, I don't have any fear in the plans he has for me, even though they might look scary, even though I don't know what they all are all the time. But his will for me, his will for you, is for abundance, it's for fruitfulness, it's for provision and favour and life and freedom and peace and joy. Amen? Yes. Come on, keep me awake. Yes. 
So I cannot afford, I like what Bill Johnson says here, we cannot afford to have a thought in our mind that is not in the mind of God for us, towards us. And God does not have a negative thought towards you. I've got to think the thoughts that God thinks about me. I've got to talk the talk and speak the words that God speaks over me. One of the most powerful things you can do is allow what he has declared over your life to come back out of your own mouth so that you can hear it yourself being echoed. And that's why I'm a great believer that when we read the word of God, I love sometimes just to get in my car and go for a drive and park somewhere, take my Bible and read it aloud. Because your mind needs to hear your own mouth declaring the word of God. Not just imagining it, just not, oh, you're reading inside. You know, you can read most of the times quietly. I know we do that. But there's, there's a powerful thing in actually reading the word of God aloud. You know, when Ezra, when, uh, when, they, when they were rebuilding the temple and they suddenly discovered some of the old scrolls of the books of Moses... It says, it says, Ezra called all of the people together and he stood and they read from those books for a whole day and people stood there for a whole day. Well, I haven't got my comfy little chair. It actually says they stood and listened to the word of God. Now think about it. A, a, a day, if we take that literally, a day in the Hebrew understanding of time, that's 12 hours is a day. They stood for a whole 12 hours while Ezra just kept reading the word and reading the word and reading the word. And now think about this. This is the laws of Moses. That's what he's reading. And it says at the end the people rejoiced. So they cried. They actually wept. Because they suddenly were aware of, man, we've, we've missed out for so long. We've lost this. This has been lost to our, to, 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 our, to our life. And now we're going to recapture this. And then they got excited and joyful over it. We can't cope with just five minutes. We become... We become what the most important person in our life says of us. We've all had people in our past who have influenced our life. Role models, good and bad. You know, one of the, one of the very, I won't say popular, but one of, the, one of the things that comes out, has been coming out more and more over the past few years, is... is this thing of people being hurt by things that people in their past have said, school teachers or whatever. You know, every single person on the planet has gone through that. You know, when I was growing up and playing rugby, I think it's still a, I think it's still a phrase that gets thrown out about, about a bit these days. But, you know, we just used to get told, take a teaspoon of cement and harden up. Toughen up. And sometimes that's what we've got to do. Just, you, you've got to, you know, if, if you have a revelation of God's love for you, it doesn't matter what other people are going to say negatively against you, that should be like the proverbial water off a duck's back. 
It should just roll off of you. We become what the most important person in our life says about us. So who's the most important person in your life? And at a very natural level, yeah, it should be our husband or our wife and our kids and all that kind of stuff. I'm not undermining that. But the most important person in our life, the, one, the voice that we should listen to more than any other voice is the voice of God. And that's why you cannot afford to have a thought in your mind about yourself that isn't in the mind and the heart of God towards you. Because those thoughts and those words are powerful and they're always positive towards you. They're neg never, ever negative. Oh, but doesn't the Holy Spirit come and convict you of sin? Isn't that negative? No, actually, he doesn't come to convict you. He, he comes to expose and bring to the surface, bring into the light so that some stuff can be dealt with. But he never brings condemnation on a believer. Read your Bibles, John chapter 6. He convicts the world of sin. The world are those who are not in Christ. But for us who are believers, he leads us into all truth. Very important that we understand that difference. Very important. So I will never be effective in loving others until I've first learnt to love myself. And so I have to give permission to myself, permission to myself to love myself, to forgive myself for all those stupid mistakes that I've made and those things that I suddenly realised, oh, gee, I should not have said that. That was bad. You don't try preaching every week. Sometimes driving home is uh, not a pleasant experience. I feel like we have to learn how to accept ourselves. See ourselves as God sees us. Not, not, not make excuses for sin. Not just ignore and deny that it's there because it's damaging and you have to deal with it but learning how to accept ourselves, see ourselves the way that God sees us. Folk, that's not self-love. That's establishing ourselves in his love for us. You know, I'm nothing without Jesus. I'm nothing without Jesus. But I'm everything with him. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? And so it's, it's this is really, it, we're talking about self-value. We're talking about self-esteem, not in a selfish way, in a God-honoring way. That is so important, and it's important to understand for two reasons. One is that we've been called into a partnership with Jesus to release the kingdom on the earth. And if you see yourself as unlovable or unworthy, you, you will not enter into the joy and the wonder of that partnership. You'll always feel disqualified, and so you'll always hold God off at arm's length. Like, yeah, he, he, he loves me, and, and you know, he kind of accepts me because he has to, because he's God and he's good. 
but we're kind of not confident to actually enter into that partnership with him fully. And it will hinder our effectiveness. The second reason that it's so important for us to understand is that we are called to love. We are called to love and we will never fulfill that and, and never live in the full joy of that until we learn how to accept ourselves. Amen? We love, 1 John 4 uh, verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. Do you know that you and I have been created for response, not reaction? And yet this world is, uh, it just reacts to everything. It reacts to everything. Just look at, look at the news. Look at all the protests. Look at this and that. Look at the cancel culture thing. That whole thing is a reaction. And it's a stupid overreaction. It's an overreach that actually isn't even, it's not logical. It's logical. Folk, don't get taken in by stuff. Let me tell you something this morning. All of that stuff is from the pit of hell. It really is from the pit of hell. That's how damaging and that's how demonic that stuff is. Don't get sucked in by it. Don't get sucked in by all the rhetoric that tries to justify why people hold certain positions. We're going to base our philosophy of life on Scripture, not on the rubbish that gets jammed down your throat from biased news feeds that are designed for one purpose. We, we, we are... We've been created to respond. Respond to God. Respond to Jesus. Respond to the Holy Spirit, not react. We're at our strongest when we live in response to God's love, not in reaction to evil. I say that again. We are at our strongest when we live in response to God's love and not in reaction to life's evil. Go to Romans chapter, uh, oh, look at my time. (laughs) Still awake. Still awake. Let me just read the scripture. We haven't got time to turn to them. Um, Romans 5 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. None of us do that. Hello? Who rejoices in suffering? No one. That means we've got actually a little way to go to catch up to where Paul was at. It says, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Let me tell you, if I give people who say that just come to Jesus and life is just going to be a bed of roses, they haven't read their Bible. They've got no idea what Christianity is really like. You want an easy life? then just deny Jesus and go and just do your own thing. It's not going to end up well. 
And somewhere along the way, you're still going to have some problems. The difference is that you're not going to have any ability to get through them. I'm just going to crash and burn. We live in a fallen, corrupt world. That's the reality. And until Jesus returns and restores all things, that's how it's going to be. Now, we can make a difference where we live, and we can live a different life, but Paul says, you're going to go through some tough times, but how are you going to get through it? Well, fuck, if you have a revelation of God's love, you will get through that. Love, there was an old song, what is it? Love lifted me? No, that's another one. They're both good. But there was an old song that says, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Verse 5 says this, hope does not disappoint us. Hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Again, this is why Paul says, keep getting filled with the Holy Spirit over and over and over and over again. Why? Because every time it happens, his love just gets poured in, poured in, poured in, poured in, so that you can live topped up, overflowing with the love of God. Amen? So 1 John 4, 16 says this, We know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence, confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. We love because he first loved us. Folk, we're saved for a purpose. And that, and that purpose, that, that destiny is twofold. One is to live in perfect harmony, in perfect relationship, in perfect fellowship with God. Understanding his love for us and just reveling in that love and joy and resting in that. But there's a second reason that we've been saved as well, and that is to serve God as co-laborers come back to his original plan to rule and reign on this planet, to make a difference, to change this earth. What an incredible privilege that is to co-labor with Jesus. To co-labor with Jesus. To walk hand in hand with him. Incredible blessing and privilege that we have to be able to do that. Let me just read a story to you and then I'm finished. I had a whole heap more, man. Look, page, page, page. At the end of the day, what does it all mean? Well, we've got to find ways to make this reality. And, you know, there's, I, could, I could give us lists and lists and lists of ways that we can love people and reach out to them and... But, most of you know that. We've heard it before, you know. 
I mean, the classic ones of, of praying for the sick and loving people and encouraging them and, you know, caring for them and doing stuff for them and just... It's, it's easy to make a list like that, right? It's another thing to actually then start to practically do it. That's where sometimes the challenge is because someone rubs us up the wrong way one week and we say, that's it, you know. This is a story of... Just the situation, it's got a lot of eyes in it, but it's not me, it's not my story. I'm just relaying it the way that I received it. But this man or a woman, I'm not sure which it is now, it says, I was walking around in a Target store when I saw a lady at the cashier hand this little boy some money back. The boy couldn't have been more than eight or nine years of age. The cashier said, I'm sorry, but you don't have enough money to buy this doll. Then the little boy turned to the old woman next to him, Nanny, are you sure I don't have enough money? The old lady replied, you know that you don't have enough money to buy that doll, my dear. Then she asked him to stay there for a couple of minutes while she went to look for a cheaper doll. She left quickly. The little boy was still holding the doll in his hand. Finally, I walked towards him and I asked him who he wished to give this doll to. It's the doll that my sister loved most and wanted so much for Christmas. She was so sure that Santa was going to bring it to her, um, but he didn't. I replied to him that maybe Santa would bring it to her after all and not to worry. But he replied to me sadly, no, Santa Claus can't bring it to her where she is now. I have to give the doll to my mummy so that she can give it to my sister when she goes there. His eyes were so sad while saying this. My sister has gone to be with God. Daddy says that mummy is going to see God very soon too. So I thought that she could take the doll to give it to my sister. The little boy looked up at me and said, I told daddy to tell mummy not to go yet. I need her to wait until I come back from the shops. Then he showed me a very nice photo of himself. He was laughing. He then told me, I want mummy to take my picture with her so she won't forget me. I love my mummy and I wish she didn't have to leave me, but daddy says that she has to go to be with my little sister. Then he looked again at the doll with very sad eyes and very quietly. I reached for my wallet and said to the boy, suppose we check just again, just in case... You have enough money for the doll. Okay, he said. I hope you do have. I added some of my money to his without him seeing, and we started to count it. There was enough for the doll and even some spare money. The little boy said, Thank you, God, for giving me enough money. He had faith in what God could do. Then he looked at me and added, I asked last night before I went to sleep for God to make sure I had enough money to buy this doll so that mummy could give it to my sister and he heard me. I also wanted to have enough money to buy a white rose for my mum but I didn't dare ask God for too much. (laughs) How can you ask God for too much? He's got an abundance of wealth. But he's given me enough to buy the doll and a white rose. My mummy loves white roses. As I saw the old lady returning, I left with my basket as to not cause a scene. I finished my shopping 
in a totally different state of mind from when I started. I couldn't get the little boy out of my mind. Then I remembered a local newspaper article two days ago which mentioned a drunk man in a truck who hit a car occupied by a young woman and a little girl. The little girl had died immediately and the mother was left in a critical state. The family had decided, uh, had to decide whether to remove the life-sustaining machine uh, because the young woman could not, would not be able to recover from the coma. Was this the family of the little boy? Two days after this encounter with the little boy, I read in the newspaper that the young woman had passed away. I couldn't stop myself as I brought a bunch of white roses and went to the funeral home where the body of the young woman was for people to see and to make last wishes before her burial. She was there in her coffin holding a beautiful white rose in her hand with a photo of the little boy and the doll she placed over her chest. I left the place teary-eyed, feeling that my life had been changed forever. The love of that little boy had for his mother and his sister is still to this day hard to imagine. The value of a man or woman resides in what he or she gives, not in what they are capable of receiving. Yet they cannot give until they first learn to receive. It's the same for you and I. We cannot give the abundance of love that God has for this world until we learn first to receive it. He is love. He is perfect love. And he loves every one of us. Hope Church is not meant to be a, about just sitting, putting a bum on a seat on a Sunday morning. It's meant to be taking the love of God that we have learned, been equipped to, trained to receive, resting in his grace and his goodness and then taking it from this place out there to a world that is so confused, so mixed up, so broken because they don't know the love of God. And that's our job. That's our task. That's what we've been trained and equipped for. That's what we've been trying to do for 15 years here. And I'm so grateful that, that we see evidence of it over and over and over again. And so this is not a G up to try and push you and get you to do more at all. This is just reestablishing, firming up that foundation again. God loves and accepts us. And that should make a difference in our life where it makes a difference to those around us. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the richness that's in it. We thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. And people have just come through Easter where they remember that. Lord, we remember it every single day of our life. Easter is not, an, is not a religious event for us. We live the reality of Easter every day, of your sacrifice and of your resurrection, of your great love for us. 
And so, Lord, where there are little things in us, even today, that have hindered us from being receptive of your love and things that have got in our head that have caused us to disqualify ourselves or even look at others and disqualify them. Lord, we want to let go of all of that stuff. We want to change our thinking, change our mind today and be refreshed by the overflowing abundance of your love that is pouring out from heaven every day. Just like Lucian said about that garden hose. We need to go to that tap and turn it on full bore because this is an abundant supply that's always being poured out from heaven. So, Lord, we, we just want to sensitize our spirit again this morning to be able to receive from you more and more and more. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.